0: 16. Bear, but the bear said again, Let us smoke and let us fight a few times more, and they did so, and Hickley again threw down the bear, and the bear seated himself on a stone and wept, and went away, and never returned, Hickley is not indigenous to the Tarahumara country of today, to obtain it long and until recently perilous journeys have to be undertaken every year to the plateaus of eastern Chihuahua, in the Sierra del Almoloy, near the railroad station of Chiminez, and to the Sierra de Margoso, beyond San Rosalia de Camarga, crossing the tracks of the Mexican Central Railroad. From two or three to a dozen men start out to get the plants, first purifying themselves with copal incense. It takes a week or ten days to get to the Sierra de Margoso, where the plants are chiefly found, and about a month is consumed on the entire journey, until they reach the Hickley country. The Tarahuares may eat anything, but once there, they must abstain from everything except cannoli. Upon arriving at the spot, the pilgrims erect a cross, and near it they place the first plants taken up, that these may tell where others may be found in plenty, the second batch of plants gathered is eaten raw, and makes the men drunk, as speech is forbidden, they lie down in silence and sleep, the following day, when perfectly sober again, they begin early in the morning to collect the plants, taking them up with the utmost care, by means of sticks, so as not to touch or injure them because Hickory would get angry and punish the offender. Two days are spent in gathering the plants, each kind being placed in a separate bag, because, if they were mixed together, they would fight. The bags are carefully carried on the backs of the men, as the Tarahuwares generally have no horses. In the field in which it grows, it sings beautifully, that the Tarahuares may find it. It says, I want to go to your country, that you may sing your songs to me. It also sings in the bag while it is being carried home. One man, who wanted to use his bag as a pillow, could not sleep, he said, because the plants made so much noise. When the Hickley seekers arrive at their homes, the people turn out to welcome the plants with music, and a festival at which a sheep or a goat is sacrificed is held in their honor. On this occasion the shaman wears necklaces made of the seeds of Koyalakri Majobi. In due time he takes them off. And places them in a bowl containing water in which the heart of the Magay has been soaked. And after a while, everyone present gets a spoonful of this water. The shaman, too, takes some, and afterward wears the necklaces again. Both plants, the koilakri Majobi as well as the Magay, are highly esteemed for their curative properties. And in his songs, the shaman describes Hikkali as standing on top of a gigantic seed of the koilakri Majobi, as big as a mountain. The night is passed in dancing hickory and you marry, the pile of fresh plants, perhaps two bushels or more, is placed under the cross, and sprinkled with tesvino, for hickory wants to drink beer, and if the people should not give it, it would go back to its own country, food is also offered to the plants, and even money is placed before them, perhaps three silver dollars, which the owner, after the feast, takes back again, during the year. Feasts may be held especially in honor of hickoli, but generally the dance dances performed simultaneously with, though apart from, the Rutuberi or other dances, on such occasions some shamans devote themselves exclusively to the hickoli cult, in order that the health of the dancers may be preserved, and that they may have vigor for their work. The hickoli feast consists mainly in dancing, which, of course, is followed by eating and drinking. After the customary offerings of food and tesbino have been made to the gods, it is not held on the general dancing place, in front of the Tarah dwelling, but on a special patio, for the occasion, a level piece of ground may be cleared of all stones and rubbish, and carefully swept with the Indian broom, which is made of a sheaf of straw tied in the middle. Meanwhile some people go into the woods to gather fuel for the large fire which will be needed. The fire is an important feature of the Hickley Feast a fact indicated by the name, which is Napofsi Noliruga, literally, moving i.e. dancing around Noliruga the fire Napofsi, there seems to be a preference for fallen trees, pines or oaks, but this may be because they are found in plenty everywhere, are drier and burn better, and finally save the men the labor and time of cutting them down, quite a number of such trunks are brought together, and placed parallel to each other in an easterly and westerly direction but not until after sunset is the fire lighted. The master of the house in which the feast is to be held gives some plants to two or three women appointed to the office of shaman's assistants. At an ordinary gathering, a dozen or two of the plants suffice. The women are called Rokoro, which means the stamen of the flower. While the shaman is the pistol the women grind the plants with water on the matapi, and then take part in the dance. They must wash their hands most carefully before touching them and while they are grinding a man stands by with a gourd, to catch any stray drop of liquor that may drip from the matapi, and to watch that nothing of the precious fluid is lost, not one drop must be spilled, and even the water with which the matapi is afterward washed, is added to the liquid, the drink thus produced is slightly thick and of a dirty brown color, the shaman sometimes there are to takes the seat on the ground to the west of the fire, about two yards off, on the opposite side of the dancing place, toward the east, The cross is placed. The shaman's male assistants, at least two in number, seat themselves on either side of their principal, while the women helpers take a position to the north of the fire. On one occasion I observe that the men group themselves on one side of the shaman, the women on the other. Close by the shaman's seat a hole is dug, into which he or his assistants may spit, after having drunk or eaten hickily, so that nothing may be lost. After this improvised cuspidor has been used, it is always carefully covered with a leaf as soon as the shaman has seated himself he takes a round drinking gourd and by pressing its rim firmly into the soil and turning the vessel round makes a circular mark lifting up the bowl again he draws two diametrical lines at right angles in the circle and thus produces a symbol of the world in the center he puts a hickory right side up or he made it a hole in the center to the depth of 5 or 6 inches and placed the hickory in the sp- he then covers it up with the gourd, bottom up, so that the plant stands within a hollow sphere. The gourd may be replaced by a wooden vessel of similar shape, but in any case it is firmly planted in the ground to serve as a resonator for the musical instrument, the notch stick, which the shaman leans against the vessel, and on which with another stick he rasps an accompaniment to his songs. If he does not plant the gourd carefully in the ground, it will make a discordant sound, which will vex the demigod and he will cause someone in the house to die. The noise produced by the rasping is enjoyed by Hickley, that is why he is placed beneath the bowl. He is powerful, and manifests his strength by the noise produced. The notched stick, as well as the rasping stick, is made from the heavy, hard Brazil wood, brought from the vicinity of San Ignacio, the Hickory country. The shaman holds the notched stick in his left hand, a little away from himself so that it touches the vessel at a point below the middle of its length, the part between the shaman's hand and the point of contact being a little longer than the portion from that point to the end of the stick. The notched sticks which are shown in the illustration, from a tar where burial cave, are apparently of considerable age. The Indians to whom I showed them did not know them, but they all affirmed that they were rasping sticks. On two sides of one of them are slanting lines, which symbolize the road of Taddyos, On the intervening sides are transverse lines which represent falling rain. As the implements were found near Babora game, they may possibly have belonged to the Tepewans, the northern members of whom also had the Hikuli cult. When the shaman begins to rasp, he starts from the farther end of the notched stick, though not quite at the point, and runs his rasping stick quickly and evenly, about twenty-six times, toward himself, and away again, then he makes three long strokes down and outward each time throwing out his arm at full length, and holding the stick for a second high up toward the east. This is repeated three times, and is the prelude to the ceremony. Now he begins to sing, accompanying himself with even strokes on the notched stick, playing regularly, one stroke as long and as fast as the other, always first toward himself, then down again. His songs are short, lasting only about five minutes. Presently the shaman's assistants, men and women, rise, They carry censers filled with burning charcoals and copal, and emitting a heavy smoke, and proceed toward the cross, to which they offer the smoking incense, kneeling down, facing east, and crossing themselves. This feature, if not wholly due to Catholic influence, is at least strongly affected by it. Having offered incense to the cross, they return to the shaman. The women now sit down again in their previous places. The men receive from the shaman rattles sonages consisting of deer hooks tied with bits of reed to a strap of leather. They are either held in the right hand or slung over the shoulder. When there are not enough rattles for all assistance, a bell may be substituted. Finally everything is ready for the dance to commence. The men wear white blankets, in which they keep themselves wrapped up to the chin throughout the night, but they have no sandals. The dance is performed by the shaman's assistants, and consists of a peculiar, quick, jumping march, with short steps, the dancers moving forward one after another, on their toes, and making sharp, jerky movements, without, however, turning around, they dance in the space between the fire and the cross, and move in a direction opposite to the sun's apparent movement, nobody present is allowed to walk in contra direction to the dancers, after six or eight rounds, they enlarge the circuit so as to include the fire, and whenever a dancer finds himself just between the shaman and the fire, he quickly turns around once, then, dancing as before, moves on to the dancing place proper, now and then the dancers give vent to a what is supposed to be an imitation of the Hickly’s talk, which reminded me of the crowing of a cock, beating their mouths quickly three times with the hollow of their hands, they shout in a shrill, falsetto voice, Hickly vava, which means, Hickly over yonder, The women take their turns separate from the men, though sometimes they dance simultaneously with them. They move around in silence, and their dance is slightly different from that of the other sex. Sometimes two and two may be seen dancing toward each other. They all wear freshly washed, clean white skirts and tunics, and the entire scene around the big fire is marvelously picturesque. The dancing may sometimes lag, but the singing and the rhythmical rasping of the shaman are kept up through the night. Interrupted only once or twice. When he sees it, he politely excuses himself to Hickory, and formal salutations are exchanged with the plant under the bowl. Both when he goes and when he returns. On such occasions, he stops his singing and rasping, and notifies Hickory by striking the notched stick several times quickly with the rasping stick, and finishing off with three slow beats. His songs describe how Hickory walks with his rattles and with his staff of authority. He comes to cure and to guard the people and to grant a beautiful intoxication. To bring about the latter result, the brownish liquor is dispensed from a jar standing under the cross. A man serves it in small quantities from a gourd, which he first carries around the fire on a rapid run, making three circuits for the shaman, and one for the rest of the assemblage. The spirits of the feasters rise in proportion to their potations. Sometimes only the shaman and his assistants indulge in the drinking, on other occasions all the people partake of the liquor. Song to the Hickory. Heikuli o via via tom il se Hickory. Uncle. Our authority thus. Agona wili se nane in a we lo yonder standing upright. See. The ancients thus placed him. The secondary effect of the plant. Depression and drowsiness. Shows itself more plainly on the company when they sit down between the dancing. Than on the well trained shaman. Who. Besides is kept awake by his occupation, as one or the other of his assistants succumbs to sleepiness, he has to ask permission of Hickoli, through the shaman, to go off and rest for a while, and must properly notify Hickoli of his leaving and returning to duty, toward morning all the assistants are struggling hard to overcome somnolence, while the shaman sings and rasps as conscientiously and enthusiastically as ever, but all rouse themselves for the important acts of curing the people by rasping and of dispatching hickley. Just at daybreak, as the fire is dying out, the shaman gives the welcome signal that the dance is over, by the three final raps on his notched stick. Then the people gather at the eastern end of the dancing place, near the cross. The shaman rises from his seat, carrying in his hands his rasping implements, and, followed by a boy who carries a gourd with water, He proceeds to confer upon everybody present the benediction, stopping in front of each one. He solemnly dips the point of the rasping stick into the water, and after touching the notched stick lightly with the wetted end, first in the middle, then on the lower end, and finally on the top, he dods the head of the person three times with it. Then he rests the end of the notched stick against the man's head and rasps three long strokes from end to end, throwing out his hand far into the air after each stroke. The dust produced by the rasping, infinitesimal doipi, is powerful in giving health and life. Now he turns toward the rising sun day holding out his implements to him, and, quickly rubbing up and down a few times at the lower end of the notched stick, he makes a long stroke from end to end, passing the hand far out from the stick toward the sun. By this act, three times performed, he waves Hickley home. In the early morning, Hickley had come from San Ignacio and from Serapolio riding on beautiful green doves, to feast with the tar who wears at the end of the dance, when the people sacrifice food, and eat and drink, the greatest hickory eats with the shaman, who alone is able to see him and his companions, if hickory should not come to the feasts, there would always be on the tar who wears the breath or stain of sorcery, having bestowed his blessings, Hickory forms himself into a ball, and flies home to his country, accompanied by the owl who also flies to its shelter at that hour. The dust produced by the rasping of the shaman in the course of the night is carefully gathered up and kept in a buckskin bag as a powerful remedy for future use. After the feast everybody has to wash his face and hands, a duty esteemed most important. Besides hickory one aim ordinarily used, the tar who wears no and worship the following varieties, 1. Mulato Mammillaria Micromaries. This is believed to make the eyes large and clear to see sorcerers to prolong life and to give speed to the runners. 2. Rosapera. This is only a more advanced vegetative stage of the preceding species though it looks quite different. Being white and spiny, this, too, must only be touched with very clean hands. In the moral sense, it would seem, as much as in the physical, for only people who are well baptized are allowed to handle it. It is a good Christian and keeps a sharp eye on the people around it, and when it sees anyone doing some wrong. It gets very angry, and either drives the offender mad or throws him down precipices. It is therefore very effective in frightening off bad people, especially robbers and apaches. 3. Tsunami Mammillaria Fisher It is rare, but it is believed to be even more powerful than one aim and is used in the same way as the latter, the drink produced from it is also strongly intoxicating. Robbers are powerless to steal anything where Tsunami calls soldiers to its aid. 4. Hickory Walula Ciliami, this is the greatest of all, and the name means Hickoli Great Authority. It is extremely rare among the Tarahuwares, and I have not seen any specimen of it, but it was described to me as growing in clusters of from 8 to 12 inches in diameter, resembling one aim with many young ones around it, all the other Hickory are his servants. The reason why so few of these plants are brought to the Tarahuare country is that he is very greedy, requiring oxen for food not being satisfied with sheep, goats, or anything else. Therefore but few Tarahuwares can afford to entertain him in their country. If an ox is not killed for him, he will eat the Indian. He always holds his head down, because he is listening to all the ceremonies that are being held in the Tarahumwares land, and he is always full of thoughts of how he may cure his sons, the Tarahuwares. He never dies, when a person is very ill, and there is no such hickly in the country. The shaman in his thoughts flies to the Hickaly country, where, the great authority, stands looking at his children, the people, and offers him the soul of an ox that has been sacrificed. Hickaly accepts the offering, and sends back his blessings by his servants, who are always well dressed and wear straw hats, like regular Americans, as my shaman friend Rubio expressed it, only the shamans, however, can see them come, to cure the hearts of the people and to clean their souls. All these various species are considered good, as coming from Tardaios, and well disposed toward the people, but there are some kinds of hickory believed to come from the devil, one of these, with long white spines, is called okoyom. it is very rarely used, and only for evil purposes, if anyone should happen to touch it with the foot, it would cause the offending leg to break, once when I pushed one of these globular spiny cacti out of my way with a cane, my Indian attendant immediately warned me, Leave it alone, or it will make you fall down precipices. At one of the feasts which I witnessed I wished to taste hickory, as it was new to me. A lively discussion arose between the shamans, and I was finally told that I might sit with them, as it was known that I had some of the sacred plants in my possession. The condition was made, however, that I should take off my sombrero. It happened to be a cold and windy December night, but I obeyed and put my handkerchief over my head to which no objection was raised, the man who carried the gourd, first danced in front of the shaman, then around the fire, and finally brought it to me, the liquid tasted somewhat bitter, but not exactly disagreeable, and while I drank, the man looked at me with astonishment, as if he had expected that Hickory would refuse to be taken by me, I drank only a small cupful, but felt the effect in a few minutes, first it made me wide awake, and acted as an excitement to the nerves similar to coffee, but much more powerful. The sensation lasted for about 10 minutes, when it was followed by a depression and a chill such as I had never experienced before. To get warm I almost threw myself into the fire, but not until morning was the feeling of cold conquered. Some Tarahumaris told me that they are similarly affected, and for this reason they do not take it. When I told the shaman about the effect Hickory had on me, he asked whether I had rasped on the notched stick, because he said, "Hickory does not give chills to people who rasp, in other words, according to him, the effect might be warded off by physical exercise, a shaman who agreed to sell me some hickory took me with him to his house, then he walked over to a storehouse of pine boards, and with a long stick and did the lock from within, taking off a few boards from the roof to get at it, after some searching, he produced a small closed basket, holding this in his hand, he rapidly ran around me in one ceremonious circuit, and said in a scarcely audible voice, Thank you for the time you have been with me, now go with him, I will give you food before you go. The smoke of copal was blown over the plants in the basket, that they might eat, and I had to smell of the incense, so that hickory might find pleasure in being with me. The shaman then opened the basket and asked me to select what I wanted. I picked out twelve plants, but, as he asked ten for them, I contented myself with three. On my way back to civilization, I spent some time at Guajolchuk, near which place the great Hikuli expert, Shaman Rubio, lives. He is a truly pious man, well-meaning and kind-heart, living up to his principles, in which Christianity and paganism are harmoniously blended. He is highly esteemed by all his countrymen, who consider him the greatest Hikuli shaman in that part of the Tarahumar country. His profession brings him a very comfortable living, as his services are constantly in demand, and are paid for by fine pieces of the animals sacrificed, for curing the people he even gets money, and what with praying and singing, drinking tesbino and Hiculi, fasting and curing the sick, he passes his days in the happy conviction that he keeps the world going, from him I obtain specimens of the various kinds of cacti which the wears worship, a betrayal of the secrets of the tribe for which the other shamans punished him by forbidding him ever to go again on a hickory journey, though in the first year he obeyed the sentence, he did not take it much to heart, feeling himself far superior to his judges, who, he knew, could not get along without him, and in the end would have to come to him, for he is the most virtuous of them all, and therefore knows the commands of Chaudios better than anyone else. It is to him that I owe a good deal of what I know about this plant worship, as well as several songs used in the cult. He came often to see me, and one day told me in confidence that the hickory in my possession would have to be fed before they started on their long journey to the United States, for it was a long time since they had had food, and they were getting angry. The next time he came he brought some copal tied up in a cotton cloth, and after heating the incense on a piece of crockery he waved the smoke over the plants, which he had placed in front of him. This, he said. Would satisfy them, they would now go content with me, and no harm would come to me from sorcerers, robbers, or pashes. This was a comfort, for to reach Chihuahua I had to pass through some disturbed country, and there were rumors of a revolution. It seems that at present only the districts around Nararachik and Bakwishik get hickeli from its native country, and that all the others procure it from these two. Until recently the people of Guachalchik also went to fetch plants. And if you may yet undertake the journey, one old man showed me some hickory which we had gathered 35 years ago. That nararachik they use hickory all the year round, that island as long as they have corn, because hickory wants tesvino, The people in the barrancas are too timid to go on the expeditions, and they buy the plants at the price of a sheep apiece. The purchaser holds a feast, not only when he brings the demigod to his home, but also a year after the event, in the eastern section of the country and in the foothills around Rio Fuerti, hickory is not used at all. It is very rarely planted by the Tarahawares, the only instance I saw of it was in Tira's birds. A significant light is thrown on the antiquity of the cult, as well as on the age of the tribe itself. By a certain variation in the ceremonial which I observed in the southwestern part of the Tarahaware country, there it is the custom of the shaman to draw underneath his resonator gourd a mystical human figure in the sand, and to place the hickory in its center. Regarding this mystical figure, my lamented friend, Frank Hamilton Cushing, informed me that similar or almost identical drawings are found depicted on the lava rocks of Arizona, in a letter dated October 30th, 1893. He said, the figure you sketch for me is closely allied, for example, to very ancient ritualistic petrographs in the lava regions of Arizona. You will see this at a glance by the figure of one of those petrographs which I reproduce in juxtaposition with yours, others which I have recorded are even more strikingly similar. I have always supposed that these figures were designed for medicine, ceremonials, but thought of them rather as pertaining to the medicines of the elements, wind, rain, water, etc. used in connection with sacrifices with which ceremonial rites were terminated than as connected with actual medicinal ceremonials. I was led to this belief by finding in connection with some of them little cup shaped concavities pecked into the angles of the figures as aaa. You will observe that a line is drawn from the middle and straight portion of my figure and coiled around the concavity at the right side, and that the terminations of the upper cross lines are bifurcated around similar though smaller concavities. This entire figure represents a water animal god, one only of a number of semi-human mystic monsters for convenience his heart is drawn out to one side, and within it is placed the cup of the chief medicine, while in his left hand is the cup of the good medicine, and in his right hand the cup of bad, i.e. strong medicine. If in the light of this you re-examine your figure, you will see with me that it represents a man God sitting, his legs doubled under him and his medicines distributed around and upon him according to his parts, and in accordance also, probably, to their importance and the case in hand. He must always have the chief of all medicines placed on his heart, as the renewer of life, then, strictly with reference to the ailment to be treated, and its location in the body or limbs of the patient I should say, the other medicines. I throw this out as a suggestion, yet with much confidence in its at least approximate correctness as indicated by my comparative studies, probably a consultation of your notes and the remembrance of variations of the ceremony you have seen will signify to you whether I am right or not. Remember that if these people had this ceremonial in connection with the treatment of disease, they will also have it in the treatment of the weather, etc. When diseased, so to say, you have opened up a new significance of many outlines among the older lava remains, and if my record of these in turn has helped to explain your diagram, etc. you can judge of my pleasure and appreciation. Chapter XX The tar who wears firm belief in a future life Causes of death The dead are mischievous and want their families to join them Therefore the dead have to be kept away by fair means or foul Three feasts and a chase. burial customs A funeral sermon The idea of immortality is so strong with the tar who wears that death means to them only a change of form They certainly believe in a future life But they are afraid of the dead and think that they want to harm the survivors This fear is caused by the supposition that the dead are lonely and long for the company of their relatives, the dead also make people ill, that they too may die and join the departed, when a man dies in spite of all efforts of the shamans to save his life, the people say that those who have gone before have called him or carried him off, the deceased are also supposed to retain their love for the good things they left behind in this world, and to be trying every way to get at them, so strong is the feeling that the departed still owns whatever property he once possessed, that he is thought to be jealous of his heirs who now enjoy its possession. He may not let them sleep at night, but makes them sit up by the fire and talk, to soothe his discontent. tesvino and all kinds of food are given him, because he needs the same things he needed here. In the course of the year several ceremonies are performed, by which he is actually chased off, and the survivors constantly take precautions against his return to bother them. Sometimes the dead are sent by sorcerers to harm people and make them ill, but generally they come of their own accord. They enter the house at night and drink the tesvino and eat the food prepared for a feast, and what they cannot eat they spoil. To protect the beer against such mischief the people place bows and arrows next the jars, and cover the vessels with sprigs of the odorous Artemisia. The dead will also kill cattle and sheep, and spin and blow in the faces of the people, to make them ill, and possibly cause their death. Sometimes the dead are viewed as spirits and the shaman sees them flying through the air, like birds, if the spirit of a dead person takes up his abode in a house, the owner of the dwelling will feel a choking sensation, dry up, and die, unless the shaman gives to the dead plenty of tesvino and drives him away with incantations, the dead are supposed to be about at night, therefore the Tarahumars do not like to travel after dark, for fear of meeting the dead, who whistle when they pass the living, only shamans can travel at night, Although sometimes even they have to fight with the dead, who come running out of the caves on all fours, in the daytime the bears are not afraid of the dead, though even then they do not dare to visit burial places, modern or ancient, I found it difficult to get Indians to carry bones of skeletons excavated from ancient burial caves, and even the Mexicans would not allow their animals to carry burdens of that kind, for fear that the mules would get tired, that is to say, play out and die. When a person dies, his eyes are closed, his hands crossed over his breast, and the relatives talk to him one by one, and bid him goodbye. The weeping widow tells her husband that, now that he has gone and does not want to stay with her any longer, he must not come back to frighten her or his sons or daughters or anyone else. She implores him not to carry any of them off, or do any mischief, but to leave them all alone. A mother says to her dead infant, now go away. Don't come back anymore, now that you are dead, don't come at night to nurse at my breast, go.